0: retirement in this country is broken we work ourselves to death and miss out on so many of life's experiences along the way there's got to be a better way david adams is a certified financial planner and cpa and founder of David Adams Wealth Group, an independent firm that offers securities through Raymond James Financial Services and is here to help you learn how to retire while you work and develop a different way of thinking when it comes to managing your money. Hello and welcome, I'm your host David Adams and this is Retire While You Work and you can hear us every Sunday on news radio the LAC 1510. And I'm here in studio today with one of my team members, Andrea Risk. Hello,
1: Andrea. Hey, David. Happy Sunday.
0: Right back at you. Glad to have you here. And she's going to be reading questions from our listeners in the upcoming segments. And then also we have a special guest, Rachel Holder, who's going to talk to us about health and wellness as we age just a little later on in the show. A very interesting topic. Welcome, Rachel.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here.
0: Great to have you. Well, again, welcome. And I always like to start the show with kind of what the passion is behind it and why I do the show. And I would start off by saying because retirement is broken, or at least the traditional sense of retirement. And as a financial advisor for going on 15 years, I've witnessed this over and over. Multiple clients coming into my office, and they've been told to save, 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 and more and more and more throughout their lives. And they come in, and they're 65, and they're tired, and they're worn out. And You know, the the conflict of interest here, and I'll say this as an advisor, is we make more the more that they save. And so the industry as a whole has been trained to promote just saving every dime, and then hopefully you'll have enough money when you retire. But what's not being talked about is how do you retire while you work, and how do you find a way to enjoy life, not just when you're 60, 65, 70, whatever that magic age is, but now. And there's got to be a balance. And again, this is how I get paid as a financial advisor, full disclosure but it's not the way that the world should work. There are definitely better ways. And, you know, it pains me to see someone that has really spent all of their working years stressed and tired and under, under vacation. I don't think that's a word, but under traveled, if you will, um, and not close to their families. And they go into retirement and they're bored, they're lost. Maybe they're not close to their to their kids because they've been so focused on fear and not having enough money. So that's, that's the passion behind the show. That's what we're here to address, and we're going to do that every week with you. Thanks for listening. Again, there are better ways, and I'm constantly listening to clients every day, and I also enjoy researching what makes people the happiest and how are they able to retire while you work in the now. And I love great financial books. I read them constantly. And one of my favorite books is by a, a fellow advisor, Wes Moss, and it's called You Can Retire Sooner Than You Think. And Andrea, I know Wes is a good friend of yours.
1: He is. He is. And I love this book. I have to say, it's of all the financial books I've read, and I've read a lot, um, this one's pretty plain speaking. I think people get a lot out of it just because of the research in the book.
0: Sure. And that's the problem with our industry a lot of times is there's so much numbers and concepts that go over people's heads and advisors that are not taking the time to really uh, make it a lot plainer and easier to understand so that again that's what we're trying to do today and to Wes's book there are a lot of interesting facts that came out of a bunch of research that he's done over the years and the book highlights um, all of the financial and consumer behaviors of those retirees who count themselves the happiest so I'd love to go through some of these with you and if you're just tuning in this is retire while you work and I'm your host David Adams and if you'd like to ask us questions throughout the week please do you can go to retirewhileyouwork.com and click the Contact Us button in the top right-hand corner. We'd love to get your questions. So on to some of the things that I find the most interesting, or actually that West cited, but I agree with these, and I was very interested to learn this. After doing this for 15 years, some of this was news to me, and so it's been a pleasure to read. So let's go through one that stood out to myself. The closer to, to paying off a mortgage, most retirees find themselves the happiest. Now, that may not be a surprise to you, but I can tell you there are lots of arguments in our business um, amongst financial planners. And I've sat in a lot of these roundtable discussions that, you know, hey, if interest rates are low and you're only paying three or four percent on a mortgage, you know, over time, doesn't the stock market typically perform better? Why pay off a mortgage if you can earn more on your investments? But what's often ignored, not just on this question, but in our industry as a whole, is the psychology Behind financial planning and the behavioral finance that goes into the benefits about paying off your mortgage, so there is a absolute benefit to having nothing hanging over your head. And as Dave Ramsey says, you know, being able to walk in the backyard, the grass always feels just a little bit greener when you don't owe debt on your house. So I, I certainly agree with this. Anytime I have a client in my office and they are asking if they should pay out their house. Of course, it depends on their situation. But if they're that close, if you owe $50,000 on your home and you've got a healthy retirement nest egg, you know, paying that last 50 grand, if it's going to allow you to have, have a little bit more comfort in retirement, by all means do it. So again, that was number one that stood out. Um, let's talk about another one. And I actually dealt with this today with a client. Um, we had the same conversation. So the more sources of income That they have, they being retirees, the happier they are. So let's talk about that. I think this really goes into the comfort of knowing that you have not just income coming from one job um, that maybe you're happy with, maybe you're not, but maybe you have a pension. Remember those pensions, those dinosaurs?
1: Right, right. Back (laughs) in the day when people actually had pensions.
0: I always get so excited when somebody tells me they have a pension. So um,
1: it's like finding the, it's like finding the Willy Wonka's golden ticket. <laughs>
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, a pension or social security, um, investments, rental property. Having multiple sources of income provides a lot of comfort over just having one source of income. Because if one dries up, you may be in trouble. Um, but you know, maybe while you're working, this doesn't just apply to when you're retired. But you know, maybe you have a rental property or a side eBay business or you're driving for Uber, whatever it is. There's definitely comfort that comes from that. So I agree with that. And we're about to go to our first break, and we'll come back to this topic. I'm David Adams. I'm your host. This is Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And when we come back from break, we'll go through some more things that retirees find happiness in and also take questions from you, the listener. Thank you so much. Be back in a few. Welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510, WLAC. And before the break, we were talking about one of my favorite financial books called You Can Retire Sooner Than You Think by a fellow advisor named Wes Moss out of Atlanta um, with a bunch of interesting research. And we were talking about a few of the um items that Wes addressed in his book about things that make retirees the happiest. And before we go through those, I know Andrea, you, you know Wes very well and you have some insight on how that research was conducted. So
1: I do. Okay. So this I think the reason that this book has come together and has been so interesting and so impactful is because it was based on a real research project. Um Wes's team, they, they had they interviewed fourteen hundred retirees oh, wow. yeah. in forty six states and determined what made people the happiest versus the unhappiest. And the data was so significant that they actually had it certified by Georgia Tech as mathematically, statistically significant. That's how different the happy people versus the unhappy people were. And these consumer facts, I think, are just the most fascinating.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the first two we went through were, you know, the closer to paying off a mortgage, retirees are usually the happiest. And then the more sources of income they have, the happier they are, which were very interesting. And so we're going to go on to an, the next one, which I found interesting. The more core pursuits that a retiree has, the happier they are. So, and I've seen this every day in my office, you know, it's having that sense of purpose and whether that's, you know, these are like hobbies on steroids. And so the first one that stood out from the study was that volunteerism was number one. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of, um, psychological benefits and just joy in the heart of uh, spending your time and volunteering. And then, you know, other things that as far as core pursuits could be, you know, whether it's playing golf or playing tennis, and then, of course, travel would be a big one. Um, Everyone loves to travel, and it's all about purpose and finding ways to live well. And, you know, I'm telling you, when, when you retire and have none of these, and again, I see this all the time, it's a sad, tough road, and many people just end up, they jump back in the hamster wheel and they go back to corporate America, and you know they get bored, they get lonely at home, they realize they don't have a core pursuit, and they jump right back in. And so part of retiring while you work is listening to your gut and your heart and finding alignment there, and core pursuits would be a big part of that. So that was uh, that was a great one. The next one was that happiest, the happiest retirees, they drive dependable cars. So among the research with Lexus, Toyota, and Ford – and also part of this, this is very interesting, um, was that they overwhelmingly did not drive BMWs. So don't be mad at me. Um, I didn't do the research, but it makes sense. Repairs and the frequency of repairs on some of these luxury cars, it's no surprise, are very, very expensive.
1: Tremendously expensive. And I think that that was one of the funny things is that they, the people that were unhappy in retirement overwhelmingly did drive BMWs. They didn't even show up on the happy list. And so, you have to assume there's a correlation there I'm somewhere. I'm sorry, BMW.
0: There are, there's nothing wrong with your cars. No, These are just, we love this them. Is just research. Just,
1: <laughs> maybe, you know, but maybe the closer you get to retirement, you, wanna think, you want to think, how much it keep it takes to upkeep your you vehicle?
0: Want cheap tires. You right. want it, you know, just very low, very low stress. Um, I think there was a song they that came out a while back called "Was it More Money, More Problems?" That's right. That definitely <laughs> applies to our to our culture as a whole. The more stuff we get, the more problems, and it on and on and on. So that was interesting. And then here's another one: the happiest of retirees they do not eat fast food. Okay, so they attempt to be healthy, and part of the research said that they do enjoy steakhouses.
1: Yes, the happy ones do. The
0: happy ones enjoy steakhouses. And funny enough, everyone loves the Olive Garden. It must be the breadsticks.
1: That's right. Happy and unhappy. Everybody loves Olive Garden. So you got to throw it to Olive Garden there. You got to give them major props because they're doing something right.
0: And I know we have Rachel in the studio today who's probably over there cringing, thinking about the breadsticks. Oh,
1: I. I'm thinking about my in-laws. Their very favorite is
2: um, is Olive Garden. So we were at the beach for fall break. And, you know, I mean, you've got all these wonderful places you could eat. Where do you want to eat? Olive Garden. So, yeah, they've, right. they've got it figured out. You know? Yeah, it sounds like. And Rachel's <laughs> going to be
0: talking. She's a health expert. and She's going to be talking here in our upcoming segment. So we'll more on that. But, you know, it comes down to, to balance. I mean, you know, it's no secret that happiness, if you enjoy good food, then go enjoy good food but do it on occasion and make sure it's a good experience. If you enjoy hanging out with your friends and there's a place that just warms your heart, great, enjoy it. So maybe it's getting a blizzard with the kids, who knows? But again, they do not eat fast food. Interesting research. Okay, Absolutely. the next one that stood out, happiest retirees, they take one full vacation more a year than the unhappy retirees. So they take more vacations
1: they do take more vacations. And I think that comes down to, you know, that sense of purpose and the adventurous spirit. Are you kind of mired in your own daily life? What do you want to be doing to kind of expand your horizons?
0: Absolutely. So that that was interesting. And I'll tell you, I had a, a sweet, um, a sweet retired lady. She came into my office. This was a couple months ago, and she came in all, she looked very frazzled and looked upset, and then we'll just call her um, Patty. And Patty said, what's wrong, Patty? And she said, well, I really want to take the grandkids to Disney World, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost $40,000. And I've been wanting to do this my whole life, and I know what you're going to say. I said, well, Patty, what, what am I going to say? Well, I know I only have, I think it was, let's say, $300,000 in retirement, and I can't afford it. And, and, and it was such a such a relief and an awesome experience to be able to look at her and say, Patty, go on the trip. You can't. I mean, there's no way. I mean, I have people in my office that have 20 million dollars that think they don't have enough and you can't take it with you. But, you know, the experiences are going to last a lifetime. And tears went down her down her face. We hugged. It was absolutely incredible. And it just reminded me of why I do this every day. So I can't agree enough that, you know, take that vacation. There's obviously, again, balance here, just like there is with eating fast food and enjoying a good steakhouse, but take the vacation and be sensible about it. I'm not saying abandon your financial plan and ignore how much you have in retirement, but don't live out of fear. So these are all very, very interesting things. I know there are quite a a bit more from Wes's book, and we'll come back to those in a future show. Um, So again, we can be happy today and we can live well and retire well too. It's that philosophy, retire while you work, finding ways to do that. So... All right. We're going to jump into usually in our second and third segments every week, we take our top five compelling questions that we get from you, the listener. And you can always go to our website at retirewhileyouwork.com and click contact us and send us your question. We'd love to hear what's on your mind. And, you know, our goal is to not answer these questions in the, well, I say typical, but in a cookie cutter financial planning perspective, that sounds like it's coming from a textbook but really to put it in that holistic perspective of how it can help you retire while you work. So think about what is the greater purpose to managing your finances, and what are we really trying to accomplish? Do we want to have $5 million in the bank, or do we want to travel more or give away more money to charity Um, or to leave our kids with a legacy? These are all important things, and so let's take a few questions, Andrew, from you, or our top five if we have time to get through them. Number one.
1: All right. This question is from Catherine. She said, "My mother is sixty-nine years old and was told by her employer that she could not touch her four hundred one k. Okay. So, what can she do? I've never heard of that, David. So, this is going to be an interesting answer. Yeah, that.
0: that's that's interesting. I mean, usually with four hundred one ks, and I'll speak broadly. Four hundred one k documents usually explain what you can do with the four hundred one k and the rules behind that, but. The the point. This would be very or highly unlikely. What I mean by that for a 69 year old not to be able to touch your 401k. I mean, usually you can touch a 401k anytime. Um, you know, we advise at certain ages. It doesn't make sense because you may pay penalties and taxes. Um, but usually, again, you can touch your 401k anytime. It's your money. Probably what she means is that you can't roll it over outside of your company's 401k plan. And that's usually the case until you leave the company. That's pretty common. But at 69, she should be able to pull money out. Um, Now, I'll say this. Usually at the age of 70 and a half, which if she's 69, that's coming pretty soon. She is required by the IRS to take what's called a required minimum distribution and start taking money out of her 401k. Or if it's in an IRA, same thing. And, you know, I get this question a lot, you know, just in general, when should I pull money out of the 401k? And Really the best answer is you shouldn't take money out of your 401k or any retirement asset really until you need it Because you want to let it grow Um, But then the also the other side of the coin and that goes back to why we do the show Retire while you work would say you also don't want to die with two million dollars and live on rice and beans, right? So it goes back to balance and then also tell people you don't necessarily want to die bouncing your last check either so Definitely that's that's a great question. One we get quite a bit, um, but I would tell her that the 401k, it's it's her money. Any restrictions on the 401k would be in her company's plan documents and get with a good financial advisor that can call the 401k company and look at those options with her. And great question. All right, we're gonna we're gonna throw it a break. And when we come back, we're gonna take more of your questions from our top five compelling questions of the week. I'm David Adams, I'm your host. This is Retire While You Work with News Radio 1510. WLAC. Back in a few. All right. Welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams. And right before the break, we were taking some of our listeners' questions, our top five most compelling questions of the week. And we got through one and on to the next, Andrea.
1: All right. This question says, what does it mean if my employer will match 125% of the first 6% of my eligible pay that I can contribute? Okay. I know you're. I know what you're going to say. I'm just excited to hear you say it.
0: What am I going to say? No, I'll, I'll go ahead. Thank you. Okay, 125% of the first 6%. Okay, good question. So basically what that's saying, if your employee says that they'll match the first 6%, so let's say you make $100,000 and you you put in 6%, $6,000 they're going to turn around and match you at 125% of that, $7,500, okay? Um, And if you put in, let's say less, if you put in 3% or $3,000, they're going to put in 125% of that, $3,750, I believe. So let me first say that's a great plan and it's a rare breed because I'm watching a lot of these plans get more in the level of maybe they're doing 25 cents on the dollar up to 6%. Or a more common one is well they'll they'll match dollar for dollar up to three or four percent that's kind of and and you know with pensions going away um, and the four hundred one k is really the asset that most people the only asset that most people have for retirement it's pretty scary so very very important that we take this free money if you will and make sure we take advantage of that match um, so yeah hopefully that answers the question
1: absolutely all right next question I just inherited a humble amount of money. Just under $100,000. What should I do with it to add lasting value to my life?
0: Great question. So $100,000. Well, first, you said the question was only, or I think it was only $100,000. Yeah, a
1: humble amount of a money. Humble amount of money. I was okay, humble. Like, really? Yeah. Who who have you been living with? Because that's not a humble All amount relative of money. <laughs> and all
0: perspective, right? But I would definitely, first of all, um, don't discount the fact that it's um, $100,000. Any money that you can put away. And put to work for you is a huge blessing. So okay, so so many factors here, but I would start by saying it goes back to the three bucket philosophy that I talk about um, pretty much in every meeting with clients, and you'll hear over and over on the course of the show is that bucket one is you want to start with an emergency fund, so three to six months of your basic expenses. This is a great opportunity to go ahead and maybe you set aside, I don't know, twenty thousand dollars depending on your situation. And then you can jump to bucket three, which is retirement. And usually we recommend, ideally, 15% of your income going into retirement, but this is an opportunity where you could start that bucket. So, you know, put money into an IRA or into your company's 401k if you're fortunate enough to have one of those, and then you also have a chunk of money probably left over to start bucket two, which is the fun bucket. This is kind of that middle bucket where you can save money for maybe it's a 20% down payment on your dream home, saving for college for your children. Or just extra investments if you want to retire early or to start a business. It's kind of like I call bucket two your retire while you work bucket because you have so many options with this money. So, what a great blessing to have $100,000 where you can go ahead and start all three buckets and start that automatic discipline of having those accounts set up and grow from there. And again, most people never get, a lot of people in this country never get a net $100,000 of positive net worth. So, what a great opportunity.
1: Yeah, I mean, what's the statistic, David? That you say all the time that there are so few people is who there's a study that you quote.
0: Yeah, I think it's about the average sixty or sixty-three year old. I think it was a Fidelity study has only uh, sixty-three thousand dollars saved up in retirement at sixty-three. So you can imagine what one hundred thousand um, dollars. I don't know the age of this of this caller, but that's, that's, a, that's a great amount of money. It's more than average.
1: Absolutely. So. Absolutely.
0: Well, if you are just tuning in, you're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, and we're taking the listeners' questions. And if you have a question for us, please submit it during the week to retirewhileyouwork.com on the Contact Us button in the top right-hand corner, and we'd love to address it in a future show. So we have another question.
1: We do have another question. This one, I think, you get asked a lot, and I think it's an interesting one. What's the maximum amount of money one can contribute to an existing retirement account?
0: Okay, yes, I do get this question every day. Um, this kind of goes back to the uh, kind of to the the textbook or the IRS code, if you will. They put this out every year, and it usually changes every two to three years. You know, it, it always depends on a lot of things, your income. Um, but typically, you know, a 401k, I believe it's around $18,000, and I don't think that's changing next year. Um, and if you're over the age of 50, there's this thing called a catch-up clause, which allows you to put a little bit more money in, um, and that's $6,000. So that's the 401k. Jumping over to a Roth in a traditional IRA, this has been, for the last couple of years, it's $5,500 that you can put in, plus there's another $1,000 if you're over 50. So $6,500 you can put into some sort of IRA, and usually, if you're working and have a 401k, you can do both. And there's some restrictions there on how much, but um, that's a good kind of rule of thumb. You know, talking about the Roth IRA, there's also some restrictions, and I won't get in the weeds too much. But if you're single and you want to do a Roth IRA, and you're making somewhere between a hundred and 15 or 18 to 130,000, it starts to phase out or limit how much of that $5,500 you can put in. And if you're married, I believe it's like 180 to 200,000. So if you make more than $200,000, you can't do a Roth IRA. And so your advisor more than likely would say definitely do the 401k um, and try to maximize that bucket three, that retirement bucket. Um, and there's also rules. If you're active in a 401k plan, you may not be able to make a certain amount of money. Yada yada yada. Um, There's also a SEP IRA if you're self-employed, that allows you to put up to 53, and I think that's going up to 54,000 dollars a year. That's tax deductible. That's a great thing to do. Um, But I'll say this: it's important to take any of these deductions that you can because it lowers your taxable income. Um, Now the Roth IRA is after-tax money, but it's a great way to do this. I love a combination, Andrea, of doing some Roth IRA, some 401k, sometimes a 401k even allows you to do after-tax money into a Roth, having some IRA money. Because what this does in retirement or later in life is you have tax flexibility. You have some tax-free buckets of money, some buckets of money that'll be taxable. And as a CPA and a certified financial planner, I love being able to kind of keep clients in the most effective and lowest tax bracket that I can. So it gives us a lot of options.
1: Sounds like it. All right, last question. You ready? I am. All right. Are pensions payment, are pension payments considered income in retirement?
0: Pension payments. Um, again, pensions. Congratulations, first of all. If you have a pension, um, we mentioned this earlier. It's definitely a dying breed. I can tell you, I when in my CPA days, when I was doing uh, public accounting, one of my clients was uh, actually Delta Airlines, and so I studied their pension plan and. Um, you know, they were paying pilots. You know, you had pilots that were retiring after 30 years and maybe their 50, early 50s, and now they're living to to be 80, 85, 90, and they were getting 70 to 75% of their income. So let's think about that. If you're making $100,000 a year as a pilot, you retire at 52, and now you're, you know, here you are a corporation 25 years later paying an employee 25 years ago from active service Seventy or eighty thousand dollars. The math doesn't work. I mean, it's 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 no surprise that that doesn't work.
1: Yeah, that's that's crazy.
0: And so what happens is the pension funds become underfunded. I mean, this is basically how Greece's social security type of system works and why it was in trouble and why Greece has been in the news a lot over the past four or five years. It's great in theory to be able to retire at fifty-two and have a guaranteed income to age ninety, but does it really does it work?
1: Well, yeah, all of these numbers. I guess were projected when people were living a lot less long. I mean, people were living to 70, 75 years old. People weren't living into the hundreds.
0: Well, right, and and, and the way, and there's, uh, I won't get into all of this, but the the history of social security, the way it was designed was for someone to, you know, the average person would work until they were 65, and then the life expectancy was at that time, like 63 or 64. So social security was just supposed to be there um, if needed, and maybe one out of three circumstances to allow somebody to go to their grave with dignity. And now again, Social Security is still at 65 or 66, and people are living to be 90. So um, now, but to answer the question, yes, it is income, and you will typically pay taxes on it, and it's usually the same ordinary income tax rates that you would have if you um, had a normal job or if you um, had a, had a, had your own business. So yes, the question: Are pension payments considered income? The answer is yes. And so when you're factoring your income, you're going to look at the pension income the same way you what is your other income. So, great question. Now, we're going to go to break and thank you for listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host David Adams on News Radio 1510 WLAC and when we come back, we have a very special guest, Rachel Holder, in studio to talk about wellness and staying healthy during retirement. And also now, you will not want to miss this, I can assure you and I'm excited about it. Back in a few. To Retire While You Work, I'm your host, David Adams. And before the break, we were answering our top five most compelling questions of the week. So remember that you can go and submit your question anytime to retirewhileyouwork.com and click the Contact Us button. So I'm excited to introduce a special guest today in studio to talk about ways to stay healthy after retirement, but also ways to stay healthy while you're working. Retire While You Work style. So, um, and every week during our last segment, we we strive to bring in a guest that we think can really help you get into that Retire While You Work mindset. And what I mean by that is, you know, to take a little something extra off your plate so that you can enjoy life off your plate, no pun intended, right? <laughs> but, and make the most of your time. And so it's no surprise to that health is really a huge component to Retire While You Work And, you know, if you're not healthy, how can you enjoy your savings and vacations, your family and retiring, right? So Rachel Holder is our guest, and she may sound familiar. She is a very successful blogger and actually hosts a regular health and wellness segment on Nashville's NBC affiliate, WSMV. She is an avid juicer and blogs for Joe Cross, the documentary Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead, and appears on Juicing Radio – I just finished the juice before the show. So Wonderful! I'm proud to tell you that. Good for you. Uh, but Rachel's passions for holistic health really led her to discover essential oils, and she currently shares her passion with others as a wellness advocate and educator and a DoTerra International consultant. She lives in Murfreesboro with her husband and two young sons. I'll be quiet now. Hello, Rachel.
2: Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for having me.
0: You are welcome. This is this is. I'm very interested in this personally, and I get this these questions all the time from clients. And again, it's really part of Retire While You Work because I tell clients all the time that health is the key. What good is all this money we've saved if we're not healthy? And there's a lot of blogs and articles out there that talk about the top things to do to stay healthy. And number one usually is exercise, right?
2: That's right. I think a lot of times we think of exercise in terms of more in terms of weight loss or going to the gym every day and that sort of thing. Um, And while that's great, you know, a lot of times we don't talk about it in terms of our health and longevity. And so I think that's a really important thing to consider because as you age, exercise becomes really even more important. There are so many studies that show that exercise is so good for boosting the immune system, um, preventing heart disease, keeping our bones healthy, which is really important as we age as well.
0: Well, yeah. And so Why do you think the importance of exercise is really such a tough thing for people to understand? And, you know, what is... I guess, the difference for retirees and how they should approach exercise.
2: You know, I think we don't, we don't talk about it a lot in terms of health, so I think it's hard mm-hmm. to understand in that respect, but I, it's even harder to do. You know, it, it's hard for me to make myself exercise, and so I always sure. tell my clients, just move more. That's what it's about, just being more active and find something that works for you. You know, a really easy, effective thing to do, just start with a 20-minute brisk walk around the block. You know, um, walk the dog, walk with the grandchildren, you know, that's a great way to do it. I personally, I'm not a, you know, big weightlifter, go to the gym kind of person, (laughs) but I love classes and I love doing classes with friends and things like that. So I love um, bar classes and yoga and Pilates. Well, it's
0: the connection element. It's it's, if you can find ways to connect and make it a social gathering as well as, you know, good for your health, that's great. And as they say, a lot of times, the hardest part of exercising or anything else is to just put on your put on your tennis shoes. That's the hardest part of exercise, right? Sometimes exactly. it's just getting started.
2: Exactly. And find a buddy. That's so important. Whether it's a best friend or if you have a spouse or partner, my in-laws are 70 and 77 and they've just gotten a gym membership and they go a couple of times a week together and, and make it fun. And so whatever you can find that, that works for you.
0: Right. And I'm trying to have the same conversation with my parents and they've started, you know, they're retired and they've started, started walking around the lake, you know, a couple of miles um, each morning. And that's great because they get to talk and catch up. And I'm hoping Hopefully to i'm trying to lead them into yoga and some other
2: things i think that's but great or, or if you don't enjoy exercising with your spouse you know my next door neighbors <laughs> right. they're in their 70s and they're so fit and active but i was talking to, to him the gentleman one day and he said i swim and she walks i hate to walk and she hates to swim so we do that separately and enjoy it and then you know come together for meals and that kind of well, thing that, well so. that's yeah
0: exactly it's about finding ways to enjoy it exactly. well that's a, that's a great one the, another one that you know comes up quite a bit would be limiting alcohol consumption so um you know why why is this one on the list? I mean not as much maybe to to avoid it altogether, but just being mindful, I guess, of what goes in your body. And it's balanced like everything else, right? And
2: that's key. It's being mindful of what you're putting in. You know, we've all heard the old saying, garbage in, garbage out. But it's so true. You want to be really mindful of what you're putting into your system. And a lot of times we think alcohol liver, you know, but alcohol consumption on a very regular basis can affect so much more than just your liver. Um, It can affect your brain, your heart, your immune system, you know, vital organs like your pancreas. So we really want to be mindful of that alcohol Consumption. So, drinking in moderation is fine, but as we age, we want to maybe limit that from what we've been used to um, in our younger years. So, the recommendation here if you're female, you want to limit yourself to about one drink a, a day, um, males, about two drinks. So, that's, you know, we're talking okay. about five ounces of wine. Did
0: you say an hour or a day? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, David. you mentioned, you
0: mentioned, well, no, you mentioned uh, one glass a day. You, you hear quite a bit that. A glass of red wine a day is actually good for you. Now, is it just not bad for you, or is it actually? Is there studies that show it's good for you?
2: There are, you know, there are competing studies, as sure. there are with lots of things, caffeine and coffee and dark chocolate, and I love all those things. So there are definitely you can find a study that can prove pretty much anything you want it to. Of course. But yes, there are legitimate studies that show that red wine can be really good for your heart.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so your opinion would be if you enjoy red wine and you do it in moderation, it's not a, it's have, not going to have that trapped.
2: glass a day and enjoy it. Awesome.
0: Yes. I'm sure our listeners will be glad to hear that. So. <laughs> Um, okay. And then the next would be, let's eating well, obviously, but, you know, give us a, give us a rundown here. I mean, what should we be avoiding? Um, you know, what should we be eating and and how do we splurge from time to time? I mean, I always tell people it's the 80-20 rule, but I'm no expert in this field. So what would
1: you say?
2: No, I agree with that completely. You know, I think all the things we're going to talk about today on this list are very important for overall health and wellness. But to me, um, this is kind of my wheelhouse. Nutrition is, is I would say, it's number one in importance on the list. Because again, what you're putting into your body affects your health and wellness um, so significantly. We know now from studies that almost all disease begins in the gut. So, goes without saying, if you're consuming healthful Good for you, clean sort of foods. It's going to help balance that gut flora okay. um, and help keep you healthy. It's going to help balance the good bacteria in your system to you know ward off the bad bacteria, so you're not getting sick as much. So it just it just kind of makes sense, um, and that's everything from you know eating better, eating good, clean, whole foods, can prevent things like colds, which. Can turn into bigger things like pneumonia and getting the flu, but even certain cancers. So we're we're really talking right. disease prevention here,
0: right? And, and and I've heard. I mean, not to to go down this road if you don't want to, but there's this thing, uh, leaky gut syndrome. Is that yes. is that part of what you're talking about when it comes to? I've read a book about that and how that's a kind of a hidden scare in a lot of people that we're not talking about.
2: Well, exactly. And, and a lot of people don't know about that. Um, but that is where, like I said, where we know that most disease begins. It's, it's It starts in the gut. It starts with that balance of gut flora getting off. And it opens up our system to be more susceptible to um, viruses, infections, and, and again, diseases like cancer.
0: Right. So juicing, whole foods, it comes back to that, right?
2: Exactly. And I'll tell you, and this is something that, that a lot of us don't like to hear, and, and we talked about splurging, and that's okay, and saving yeah. it for special occasions, but sugar – Sugar okay. is um, the number one culprit, uh, not only for weight gain and things like that, but again, for, for gut health. Okay. Um, so you really want to limit those empty calories from refined grains, processed foods, sugars, things like that. Um, and sugar, you know, it can do a whole host of things. It increases your bad cholesterol. It can lead to diabetes, cravings, um, trouble sleeping. And sugar actually causes, it's interesting to, to read the studies on this, this addictive response in your brain so it doesn't fill you up it actually makes you want to eat more right um there's no value in sugar there's no nutrients there's no protein there's no minerals i've heard that
0: you know sugar is one of the most uh, you know addicting you know drugs if you will really out there so um great so if you're going to if you're going to splurge would you say it's uh, just back to moderation or Uh, it is you
2: know i'd save it for special occasions um so you know that that birthday that anniversary the grandchild's party you know things like that so on a regular daily basis, when you have a sweet tooth craving, I try to go for things like um, fruit. Uh, you can make coconut whipped cream out of coconut milk. That's wonderful. And I put that on strawberries and blueberries and blackberries and things. Um, smoothies are a great sweet oh, yeah. treat with strawberries and bananas. And I've learned recently to sweeten things with dates. Um, so dates are great. a very, okay. very, yeah, a very, very, very sweet um, fruit that they act like sugar. I mean, it makes you feel as though you're eating sugar, but it's but it's really a fruit. So Great. there's a little trick. I love dates. Great.
0: Great advice. Yeah. And then uh, the next one was be a good patient. So what do they mean when they say be a good patient? Is it just, you know, actively participating in your own health or is it literally when you go to the doctor being a good patient?
2: Well, it comes back to self-care and I think, you know, this is true of of both men and women. A lot of times as we age, we don't take care of ourselves like we should. You know, for women, I think we're particularly used to nurturing and caring for everyone else around us, our families, our children, our husbands, our grandchildren, and so we neglect ourselves. Um, For men, a lot of times, I I think it's that they well, they brush everything aside, everything's going to be okay, or, you know, we don't want to be a burden on people. I know in my father's Father's case. That was certainly his concern. I'm an only child. You know, I have my life and my children and, and we don't want to be a burden on people. So don't do that. <laughs> Take care of yourself. Go to your regular annual appointments. Um, if you have concerns, call ahead. Call in between appointments. You know, don't wait until something happens. You know, something that I would say um, is huge and, and was huge in our family is have a healthcare advocate you know, designated person in place before something happens. So this is someone who can go to your doctor's appointments with you. They can help you remember things. They can sure. ask questions. They can take notes. And this is someone who, you know, if the occasion comes and you have to go into the hospital, they can sit with you. You know, if you're unconscious, they Almost can talk like to the Almost like your informal physicians.
0: power of attorney for healthcare. care, somebody exactly. that, that's kind of acting in that role. No, that that's great. Um, great advice. So you got to take care of yourself to help others. And then so the next one was taking care of your mental state. And keeping yourself safe. So I know this is a topic that I talk to clients with all the time. Just, you know, your mental state, making sure that you have that purpose and that those core pursuits and um, that you have friends and family to be around that's so it's
2: true and, and you touched on that earlier and I think what you said is is so good some of the suggestions that you made make time for this is the most important thing do not neglect your mental well-being you know maybe you have your regularly scheduled doctor's appointments and that sort of thing for your physical health do not neglect your mental health it's so important you know whether that's Church, volunteering, work, an exercise class—you know, join your local senior center, do some neighborhood activities, whatever. Um, again, like the exercise, whatever works for you, but just do something to keep yourself um, active and.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what would you say? Um, what are some just some other things in general you would you would advise our listeners?
2: Well. <sighs> I have sort of my quick and dirty list of things we can do today um, because, you know, some of this can be overwhelming and, and I often think, well, where do we even start? So my number one, I would say listen to that quiet voice within. You know, if you think something's off, tell someone, ask questions, whether you're that caregiver or whether it's you. Um, move more. Work to kick sugar toward the curb. Add in some healthy fats. Try to get some sort of greens every day. A smoothie is a great way to do that. Um, drink water. Limit your coffee and caffeine and make sure you're getting an of sleep sleep isn't something we talked about but that's really important
0: Oh, absolutely and, and there's so many things i know we could we could talk with you about rachel we'd love to have you back on a future show this is we could do an entire show That'd on health thank and you wellness. so much absolutely you've been you've been great um so again thanks rachel holder and rachel if our listeners want to find you how can they do that
2: they can just go to holdingherown.com that's my website i blog there and i'll have all these tips up there and lots more
0: i love that yeah. holdingyourown.com great All right. Well, thank you so much for listening this week, um, as always. And if you need to reach me during the week, you can call us at 615-435-3644 or visit retirewhileyouwork.com and submit your question. Or, you know, come by and see our team at our office in the historic 12th South neighborhood. We'd love to see you. I'm David Adams. And please remember that life is short and there are many more important things to worry about than money. And I hope this show helps. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much.